Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions, and thank you so much again for our time together. What a beautiful opportunity to sit down with you every morning and know that I'm talking to you live. We don't do this pre-recorded, so if the dog walks through or I make a mistake, well, you know, welcome to live. But that, that's all worth it, to be able to know that I'm sitting down talking to you right now. We can talk about the issues of right now. Now, yesterday I began to talk to you about our need to pray for Cebu, and I guess by Friday they enter into total lockdown. And, you know, there's not much they can do. Um, we remember those weeks of total lockdown in Manila, and can you imagine how we would feel if we were being told on Friday we start total lockdown again? Uh, can you imagine how our business people would feel? I mean, life is interesting. So, well, Pastor, what happens if it happens in Manila again? Well, we have a plan for the church and a plan to keep the work going. And, of course, we'll be better prepared this time than last time, though God was gracious and we were pretty well prepared last time. But, you know, folks, let's keep praying for the folks in Cebu. And let's keep praying for the nation. You know, I know as Christians we are safe and secure in his arms. All right, I, I know that. I know that we are redeemed from this curse of a plague that sticks. But we still see it with our eyes all around us, as Psalms 91 says. And the Bible does very clearly say that we are to seek the prosperity of the city in which we dwell, because as it prospers, so too will we prosper. Let me say that again. Scripture is clear. We are to seek the prosperity of the city in which we dwell, because as it prospers, so we too will prosper. So let us in prayer seek the prosperity of Manila. Let us in prayer seek the prosperity of Cebu and Davao and Nawag. And let us in prayer seek the prosperity of all of our islands, all of our provinces. Father, we come in Jesus' name. Lord, we don't want to just endure this thing. We want to see this thing finished. We don't want to just keep living like this until the end of the year. We want to see this thing finished. But Father, I'm asking that you do it in a way that only you receive the glory. I'm so tired of hearing people say, believe in the science. I'm so tired of he hearing people say, believe in medicine. Father, I want people to believe in you. Father, in Jesus' name, do something in such a miraculous way that the entire world, you, you, the attention of the entire world is on this thing, Father. Do it in such a way that the entire world will recognize the sovereign, loving hand of a faithful God. And let that goodness lead men to repentance, Father. We cry out for mercy. Mercy upon Manila. Mercy upon Cebu, Davao, and Luan. Mercy, Lord, across all of southern Luzon and northern Luzon and central Luzon. Mercy across the Visayas. Mercy across Mindanao. Father, we pray for mercy. Hear the cry of our people's hearts for mercy upon our nation, mercy upon our people. Father, show your goodness to our people. Let people see your goodness. I know that there will be some that will harden their hearts, but Lord, let your goodness lead men to repentance. And Father, raise up a whole new generation of young men and young women who aren't in the ministry to get rich, but who are in the ministry to sacrifice. That like the apostles, Lord, they will say, we have left everything to follow you. That they're willing to give up everything in life just for the privilege of serving you and serving the church, serving the people of God. 
Oh, Father, I thank you for it. And Lord, in Jesus' name, as they sacrifice, let their families stand back and watch the blessings of God. Because you promised, Lord, that in this life, everything that we sacrifice, we would receive a hundredfold return. Father, I've seen that in my life. Let a new generation see that sacrifice is the path to prosperity, not greed. Raise up a whole new generation, Father, of young people born in sacrifice to go into the harvest field of our land and reach them in Jesus' name. We thank you for it, Father. Receive our worship now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our hearts and worship together.
Well, everybody, you've been watching her walk around everywhere. This is our little puppy, Coco, and you can hardly see her against my black shirt. Smile. Smile. Give everybody a smile. No. No. Yeah. Sweet puppy. So this is the one that you see walking around. We're practicing our grandparenting skills right now. And it's been a while since we had a, a puppy in the house. Uh, so we are enjoying all the little puppy joys. I will tell you that I woke Sister Bev up. Shh, don't tell her I said it. I woke Sister Bev up yesterday morning by opening the door and letting the puppy jump up on the bed and just attack her, pounce on her and lick her face. And Sister Bev woke up laughing and giggling. And it was just, you know, it's nice having a little puppy around. But you know what? The good thing they say about being a grandparent is when you're done, you can hand them back. So we're practicing our grandparenting skills. Some of you grandparents, you understand what I'm talking about. But I wanted to show you the puppy because evidently the children get up now in the morning to watch morning devotions because they're looking for Coco sightings, walking around in behind us and doing things. And you never know what she's going to be doing next. We've got a beautiful testimony for you right now. Let's go. Hi, CLP. My name is Valerie Silva, and I'm a home coordinator from District 12. Uh, yung kasampay po kasi namin, meron siyang anak na nagdadiasis three times a week. And it has really been financially hard for her to sustain the treatment. And then one time, I was queuing up for a in a lechon manok store, and nakita ko yung atsara. And then God impressed upon my heart, why not try selling atsara? So when I came home, I asked Manang, Manang, let's do 
achara business. Okay. Nagsubok kami tatlong kilo muna. But within three days, ubus ka agad yung tatlong kilo yun. Then, that was batch 1, batch 2, batch 3, and then now we're doing batch 8. Uh, for almost a month, nasustain namin yung pagtatalayalisis ng anak niya. God has sustained everything for the needs of Manang's daughter for her dialysis. And I just want to share this verse in Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, definitely we can never outlive God. When God gives us something, it will really bless not only us, but also the people around us. Amen. Psalms 91, we're going to have one of the young people recite it for us in just a minute. But as this thing continues, make sure you memorize it. Make sure that you hide that thing deep in your heart, not just to build faith. But how shall a young man keep his way pure, the Bible says? By hiding the word of God in their heart. In this time of darkness, a season when darkness reigns and this pestilence is stalking in the darkness, there are temptations that will be a little new to many of your lives. Temptation is simply a thought that comes into your mind, shortcuts, whatever. And when you hide God's word in your heart, when Psalms 91 is deep on the insides, you know that you don't need to be afraid, and you don't need to do any shortcuts, and you don't need to violate any laws, and you don't need to break any principles of God's word. You can live for God, because God has promised you. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, then no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. I say, Pastor, why don't you call everybody's name out? Well, you know, I've slipped a few times, but I try not to because I don't want them to be embarrassed and I don't want their name to go all over the place. And they just want to do something for Jesus. I've watched that young lady grow up since, my goodness, I knew her parents long before she was born. 
I've watched her grow up singing in every children's musical every year, and now she sings in the South Choir. What a privilege to get to be a part of their lives. All right, we're going to spend a lot of time again, a little bit of time in Old Testament, but a lot of time again in the New Testament, just like we did yesterday. Yesterday was so important because we're seeing the challenges of preaching the gospel in a completely ignorant environment. And this is something that we have to understand how to do. Now, you know, sometimes here in the Philippines, we say, well, we don't have a completely ignorant environment. But as we begin to send people to other places of the world, we have to understand how do you reach into a place that's a completely ignorant environment? And what are some of the challenges? Like they thought that they were Zeus and Hermes and wanted to offer sacrifices to them. And, you know, Paul did not say, well, let's use this and use this and we'll receive this and then we'll use it for pointing people to Jesus. No, no, Paul wouldn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, well, it's part of their culture, Pastor, but Paul wouldn't have anything to do with that. You never touch the glory. Now, I want to move on from there today because now we get to the second great crisis of the body of Christ in the world. The first almost destructive event that blew up the first and only church in the world was the prejudice that came up and perceived injury that came up between the Hellenistic Christians and the Hebraic Christians in Acts chapter 6. It was a problem of tribalism. It was a problem of prejudice. Now, the second great challenge, this is to blow up the Gentile evangelism. And again, it is about prejudice and tribalism, separated between the Gentile Christians and the Hebrew Christians. Now, I want you to see something, and please, you know, you're gonna, some of you will hate me for this, and that's fine. You've never known me to like circles of influence. You've never known me to even believe in that statement, your network is your net worth, because it's just tribalism. It's just breaking people up into user groups, okay? I'm gonna use you, so you're my network, my contacts of people is my net worth. I've, I've always hated that especially when people try to use it in the body of Christ. All over the world for the last four or five years, tribalism has begun a big deal. Many Christian books have been written about how to exploit the concepts of tribalism. Uh, it was first penned by uh, a church growth guy many years ago called Homogeneous Churches, and he began to espouse the concept of tribalism. So we have Chinese churches, and we have Filipino churches, and we have Tagalog churches, and we have Cebuano churches, and, you know, we have rich churches, and we have poor churches, and, you know, forgive me. It's only supposed to be church. Now, this tribalism thing that the church has bought right into needs to end. You and I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. There is only one color in God's eyes, clean. We are clean before the Lord. We have been washed in the blood of Jesus. That's the only color God sees. It's clean. Look at yourself and say, I'm clean. But please, let's not. Let's learn the lessons. Let's learn the lessons of Acts 6. Let's learn the lessons here of Acts 15. People want to say a lot of other things, but basically, it's nothing but tribalism and prejudice. Acts 15, begin with verse 1. But some men came down from Judea, so they came from right around Jerusalem, and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
Now notice, these guys did not come to evangelize. They didn't come to join forces and labor in the harvest field and evangelize. They came to gather. They came to point out faults about the apostles, what, what the, the leaders of the church of Antioch were preaching, and to say, no, 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 what they're saying is not enough. You, they were gatherers. They were proselyters. Uh, in the old days, we used to watch oneness churches do this, oneness churches, churches that only believe in the name of Jesus. They don't believe in the Trinity. And they would, they would come into our church and they would tell everybody, you know, you're, you're not really saved because you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. The Trinity is a false doctrine. They, they never wanted to do evangelism. They only wanted to gather from among established Christians. Now, we, we've seen this with different doctrines all around the world. Sometimes even revival churches do this, and it's, it's just not right. So they came in teaching the brothers. They didn't want to teach the unbelievers. They didn't want to evangelize. They just wanted to focus on the brothers. And they wanted to bring a corrective doctrine. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, guys, you're not saved. You have been taught a false doctrine. Salvation by grace is a false doctrine. You are not saved. Now you can imagine how the Gentile Christians felt when they began to be taught this because with all their hearts, they believed they were saved and they wanted to be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, now here's, that's good. Barnabas has now stepped up. He's, he's standing there toe-to-toe -to -toe with Paul, fighting for the doctrine of salvation by faith. That, that's good. Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. You can read that as big argument. Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, now notice, sent by the church, they didn't just go out on their own. Later you're going to see these guys who came down were not sent out, they went out. The went out people always cause trouble. The sent out people bring peace. Sent out on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. So on this trip, because they would have gone either by foot or by uh, donkey or mule, uh, on this trip back up to Jerusalem from Antioch, it's a pretty long trip, they, they stopped in different places. And as they stopped in these places, they looked for the church, they looked for the body of Christ that was growing, and they told them what God was doing in Antioch. And it brought great joy. I mean, Believers were happy that the Gentiles were being saved, all right? When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church. Now notice that, sent out by the church, welcomed by the church. And the apostles and the elders. Now that's how they were treated by the church. The believers, the apostles, and the elders welcomed these guys from Antioch. Now they, they should have, because Barnabas had been a part of them. They gave Barnabas his name, remember, the son of encouragement. They welcomed them. These were people who had been friends from the earliest days of their salvation. And Paul, the great persecutor, had gotten saved. These were old friends. So they were welcomed back in. And they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to a party of the Pharisees rose up. Now, here's the tribalism. A group of people said, no, we do not accept this, period. Some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. So in other words, they didn't belong 
to the church. They belonged to the Pharisees. They didn't belong to what God was doing today, salvation by faith. They belonged to the Pharisees. Now, they were believers, but they still owed their allegiance to their past and not their present. Ah, now here's where tribalism comes in. They belonged to the party of the Pharisees. Now, you, you can't belong to something other than the church. They belong. Remember, we taught you earlier, they belonged to the church? Well, these people belonged to the Pharisees. W where is your belonging? <laughs> That's where tribalism comes in. Do you belong to the body of Christ? Or do you belong to some external identification group? That's where the tribalism, that's where the division comes from. The party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and order them to keep the law of Moses. Wow. So we're going to circumcise these guys and we're going to order them to obey the law. Well, there's no grace in that. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, okay, I mean, everybody, everybody's talking, everybody has the right to express their opinion. Finally, after much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, time for Peter to take a stand. Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you. Now, here's the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Nobody's talking about the fact that Peter got the centurion and his whole family saved. Nobody's talking about how Peter birthed a church in Caesarea. Nobody's talking about that because Peter's part of the apostles. Now, they can attack Paul and they can attack Barnabas and the work in Antioch because that's far away. But nobody's, nobody's dealing with Peter. Everybody had accepted what Peter did. Now, sometimes you're going to find as a leader, everybody argues about a subject knowing that you're right in the middle of it, but they leave your name out of it. There comes a time as a leader, you take a stand. Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you. That by the mouth, that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He said, now listen, dudes, I want you to listen to me. I have a right to speak because God made a choice among us. God chose me to preach to the Gentiles first. He said, and I'm not ashamed of what I did for God. He said, so let's just talk about, you need to listen to me because you know God chose me to do something. And the God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He said, now let's remember, we've, we've discussed this fact before, and we agreed, yeah, God really saves Gentiles. And that he made no distinction between us and them. Now here's a truth every Christian needs to get in their insides. He made no distinction between us and them. God doesn't distinguish between people. There are people right now, please, there's things that I'm going to say today you're going to hate me for, and that's just fine. Go pray. There are people today that want to separate our Chinese brothers and sisters and go, oh, they're Chinese. I mean, what's, some of, what's happening is some of our brothers and sisters, members of our own church right now, in the markets, in restaurants, in the shopping malls, is embarrassing. 
I mean, even Pastor Pugadora has the stories. <laughs> I mean, what? Because his eyes are a little slanted, so somebody thinks he's Chinese and they want to persecute him? No, no, no. Please, folks, at some point, prejudice has no place in the body of Christ. We need to have tattooed on our foreheads. He made no distinction between us and them. God makes no distinction. If we have a pastor from Africa, God doesn't care where they're from or what color their skin is. God makes no distinction. If we have a pastor from Sri Lanka, if we have a pastor from mainland China, if we have a pastor from Wuhan province, forgive me, God makes no distinction. Now, now, when people get scared, prejudice comes out. And it's happening right now in our beloved land. And all it will do is tear us apart. All it will do is tear us apart. Tattoo this on your forehead. He may, now, don't literally, but you know what I mean. He made no distinction between us and them. God never makes a distinction between you and somebody else. God just doesn't do it. God is no respecter of persons. God created everybody. Having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, there's, there's the only thing that matters. It doesn't matter whether they're black, white, yellow, or green with yellow polka dots and purple, purple stripes. You know what? If God has cleansed their hearts by faith, they're our brother, they're our sister. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the apostles, on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to pair? Now, what is that yoke? Circumcised in order to keep the law of the Moses. Hey, guys, 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 listen to me. You know God chose me to do something. God's hand was on my life to do something. I have a right to speak. I have firsthand knowledge. Now listen to me. And then he gets right in their face. Why are you testing God? Why are you thinking that somehow we have the right to put a yoke, a, a burden on people's lives that neither our fathers nor us could bear? He said, we couldn't do it. We couldn't get saved that way. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus, just as they will. Now, we will be saved through grace, just as they will. There's only one plan of salvation, salvation by grace. And Peter, Peter stands up. A man who denies Christ in, the, in Caiaphas's courtyard, he stands in this big, oh, horrible, ugly debate and he presents salvation by grace. And he said, all of us get saved the same way. Doesn't matter whether they're Gentile or Jew, we all get saved the same way by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And all the assembly fell silent, yeah. Peter stood up from his experience and from God's calling on his life, he speaks and he speaks to their prejudice and he speaks to the true plan of salvation, salvation by the grace of our Lord Jesus. And everybody's quiet. His argument has stopped the debate. His presentation has silenced the debate. And all the assembly fell silent and they listened. Now they stop arguing their silly theology and they start to listen. They listened to Barnabas and Paul. Now Barnabas is listed first here, why? Because in Jerusalem, he's still number one. He was before Paul. 
He was the one who helped Paul. He was, he was like Paul's spiritual guide, okay? I mean, so Barnabas is first here. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Now, a couple of things to notice there. Notice, though Paul's been in the first chair for a while, now Paul's very happy to step back into the second chair. Barnabas is the one who introduced me to all these people. Barnabas is the one who helped these people accept me. Barnabas was among them long before I was. Paul is very willing to step back into the second chair. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mess up his ego. But also notice, they went through all the things that had happened, all the miracles, all the crusades, everything that had been done. And after they'd finished speaking, now notice the thing that ended the argument and the fight was Peter. Now people begin to listen because, okay, we, we have to face the fact we've been down this before. This is not a tribalism thing. That This is a salvation thing, okay? So Peter's argument has silenced the, the animosity. Now they're willing to listen as, Paul and Barnabas, as Barnabas and Paul share what has happened, share their experience. After they finished speaking, James replied. Now James is actually the leader of the church there in Jerusalem. James replied, brothers, listen to me. Simon has related, now notice, everything goes back to the pivotal point of Simon. Simon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a, a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild the tent of David that has fallen, and I will build its ruins, and I will restore it. And the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who, said, who makes these things known from old. So he quotes the word. He quotes the, the, the law and the prophets. Now, again, the way that you close an argument is with the word. Therefore, now he's closed the argument with the word. God's word said the Gentiles will be saved. God says the remnant of mankind, the Gentiles, will seek him. Okay, what can they argue? I mean, that, that's what the law and the prophets say. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. He said, let's not make their life difficult. But we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Now he said, listen, now, nobody's against Moses here. He said, you guys are coming along thinking that we're, we're getting rid of Moses. He said, we're not getting rid of Moses. We're not getting rid of the law. He's read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Nobody's fighting Moses here. Nobody's abolishing the law here. He said, but we want to understand there are some things that we do want to talk to the Gentiles about. You know, these, these foods polluted, these, these foods that are offered to idols. He said, we want to stay away from that. We want them to stay away from sexual immorality because it was, if you think there's sexual immorality today, it's nothing compared to the Greeks and the Romans, okay? We want them to stay away from that which has been strangled and from blood. So we want them to stay away from those things, and we'll talk about that at a later date, but that's, it's part of a, a code that they had for God-fearers in the synagogues also. They didn't make the God-fearers in the synagogue. They, they weren't creating a new doctrine here. This is something that was part of the tradition of the Jews for the God-fearers, and they kind of pass this on. There's a, a technical name for it, but I can't remember it right now. In fact, I've got two books on it, on how the Gentiles, this is what was expected of the Gentiles by the, the Jews. So they're not creating something new here, but we're, we're all, they're also not abolishing Moses. So go through this passage, 
take your time and understand. There comes a time as leaders when, you know what, because of your experience and God's hand on your life, you need to be the one to speak. Because nobody's going to talk about the fact that you're involved in this because you're standing there in judgment. So you need to stand up. There's times that each of us need to stand against prejudice. Now, in this world that we live in today, I challenge you, brothers and sisters, let's keep tribalism out of the body of Christ. There's only one color in God's eyes, clean, washed in the blood of Jesus. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Yeah. 
First Chronicles chapter 2, beginning with verse 25. Now, I took way too much time in the New Testament portion, but I told you I would because these are some really important passages. This is when salvation by grace was laid down as the cornerstone of the Christian church. All right, so these are, and the challenges to that. I mean, these are important truths. So I don't, don't apologize in another sense because this needs to be done in detail. Now, as we start in these genealogies, now I read through them earlier in my devotions. I get up about 3.30 or so, and I have my devotions before we do this. I read through all of this in detail, and it's really, really important that you understand these genealogies. Let me tell you how important they are. Even to this day in Israel, there are families, especially like the Cohen families, that can trace their genealogy all the way back to Aaron's family. They go all the way back to Aaron. For the Jewish people, it's very important to know genealogy because that's how their inheritance was determined in the ancient days. The family, this was their land. And if you were not part of the family, you did not have a right to that land. That land, every family had received a portion of land from God. It was part of the, the incredible economic system that God designed, where every 50 years, the family would be recapitalized. If one generation lost the money because of foolishness, the next generation was not penalized. Once every 50 years in the year of Jubilee, all land returned to the families that God gave it to. So there was never any long-term poverty. There was never any huge, super-rich upper class and a poor class down below controlled by them. You know, God created the most egalitarian economic system in the world. It was, it was absolutely amazing. And when you, if you like economics, go back and study God's system. But in that system, genealogy was important for inheritance. So all of these genealogies, and you need to read through them word by word and read the names out loud because they get easier as you read them out loud. But I want you to just highlight a couple of things. Like, these are some of the things I want you just to notice. For instance, uh, notice, these are the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron, chapter 3, verse 1. The firstborn is Amnon. Okay, he's the firstborn. Remember the guy who caused all the problems, okay? The second, Daniel, by Abigail the Carmelite. The third, Absalom. We don't hear much about Daniel. The third is Absalom. He's the great rebeller. Now, notice, these are the sons born to him in Hebron. Now, there seems to be a difference in the status of the sons born in Hebron versus the sons born in Jerusalem. So these are the sons who were born to him in Hebron. Makes that distinction. The firstborn, Amnon. Then we get to Daniel by Abigail. Absalom, whose mother was Maacha. Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. Shephathiah. And then the sixth was Ethereum. Now, some of these we don't hear much about, but we hear a lot about Amnon. We hear a lot about Absalom. And now notice, verse 5, these were the ones born to him in Jerusalem. And it lists all the sons born to him in Jerusalem. So again, I want you to notice, when, when you see distinctions, sons born in Hebron, sons born in Jerusalem, and you see who are the ones who caused the trouble, who are the ones that we don't hear about much, there's great truth there. Now, there's another thing I want you to notice. Chapter 4, verse 8. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers and his mother. Now, this is one of those cute little things that gets buried in the gene genealogies, and if you don't read them word for word, you miss incredible truth. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mothers called him Jabez because I bore him in pain. In other words, 
he was a very difficult childbirth, all right? Jabez called on the name of the God of Israel. So Jabez was a man of prayer, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm. The Hebrew word there literally means evil, that you would keep me from evil so that it might not bring me pain. Now what a great prayer to pray every day. There have been books written about this little tiny passage, the prayer of Jabez. What an incredible truth. He's praying, oh, that God would bless me and enlarge my borders. God, I want to be bigger. I want to be bigger, God. Would you enlarge my border? That's a prayer of my heart. Oh, God, I want to do more for the kingdom. I want to build more churches. Enlarge my border, Lord. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. What a great prayer for every businessman to pray. Enlarge my business, Lord. What a great prayer for every connect group leader to pray. Oh, that you would enlarge my connect group, Lord. What a great prayer for every pastor to pray. Oh, Lord, enlarge my church. This, this is an incredible prayer to pray. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me. Now notice the purpose of the hand of God upon your life, that you would keep me from evil. In the Hebrew word there is harm, literally means evil. That you would keep me from evil so that it might not bring me pain. Sin always brings pain. Blessings brings enlarge. Evil brings pain. Now, did not Jesus teach us to pray the same way? And Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We are taught to pray this way. So we see, again, I, you often hear me say, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Same God. Same problems. Same kinds of prayers. Beautiful prayer. That your hand might be with me. And that you would keep me from evil so that it, may, it might not bring me pain. Some of you, and please forgive me, but some of you, you've had, you have suffered such pain in life because of sinful decisions, because of evil. How much sin could we stay away from in life if we would just every day pray, Lord, let your hand be upon me and keep me from evil. Lord, I pray as Jesus taught me to pray, lead me and guide me, not in the path of temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. There's so much temptation that could be avoided. The pressures would never come to your life because God just leads your life in a way that there are things you just don't see and there are things that you just don't hear, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, and without hearing and seeing those things, there's no temptation. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer. So I want you to read through all of this in detail in your devotions today because, again, you're going to find absolute beautiful gems there. Let me pray for you today. Father, we pray the prayer of Jabez. Enlarge our borders, Lord. Let every Connect Group member, let every Connect Group leader begin to see growth. Let every Connect Group grow and multiply in Jesus' name. Enlarge the borders of every connect group in Jesus' name. 
Enlarge the borders of every fellowship. Enlarge the borders of every choir and every ministry group. Enlarge the borders of MMU. Enlarge the borders of every branch church. Enlarge the borders of every business in our congregation, Lord. Every business. Those that are discouraged right now because they own jeepneys, Lord. Oh, turn this thing around and make something better than they've ever seen in their whole lives in Jesus' name. And enlarge their borders. Enlarge every bakery. Enlarge every food business. Enlarge every computer store. Enlarge every seamstress. Every little business and every big business in the church, Lord. Enlarge it in Jesus' name. I thank you for it. And Lord, we come as a people. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let our lives just be led and our lives be guided in a way today, Lord, that there's just things we don't see and there's things that we just don't hear and there's no food for temptation to develop in our lives. Lord, let your hand rest upon us. Keep us from evil that it may not bring us pain. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock.